0: For those of you who don't know, I'm Pastor Mike Bell. I pastor uh, Destiny Church in Fredericksburg, up in the hill country. And guess what? It's still hot up there in Fredericksburg. Uh, it was 100 today in Fredericksburg, and um, so yeah, it's just it's just hot up there, up there too. It's hot everywhere. Uh, I'm really excited to be here tonight. Uh, pray for Pastor Matt. He's traveling back uh, from Florida. Poor, poor pastor, Uh, uh, but uh, he's traveling, so let's just be in prayer uh, through the rest of the evening as they're on the road, and uh, aren't you thankful that your pastor gets to take some time off and rest, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's great, so um, Pastor Matt is uh, doing that as we speak, so let's be in prayer for him. Uh, I'm excited about bringing the word to you tonight. Uh, You can open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We are continuing the series that uh, we started, I can't remember exactly when it started, uh, but it's our Spiritual Warfare series, and uh, we are continuing the portion of that series tonight in the armor of God. And how many of you uh, appreciated Pastor Mark's message last week uh, on the the belt of truth? Yeah, wasn't that great? Keep clapping while I drink some water. yes yes and y'all are with it y'all respond to everything I say that's good praise the Lord Uh, and so we are in Ephesians chapter 6 and in regards to spiritual warfare as we were worshiping tonight I you could literally feel the presence of the Lord here and you know, sometimes it's, it's more obvious than others. At least that's how it is for me. And now, the Bible tells us that where a group of people gather, God is there. So we know that God is always there. But sometimes, maybe it's just me, or maybe it's us, where our hearts are. But tonight, I, c- I can really sense the Spirit of the Lord in this place. And, and so as I begin to think about my message tonight... And spiritual warfare, it, it was just reminding me that, yeah, we are here, we are flesh and blood, we can see, we can smell, we can hear, we can taste, we can touch, but there is something going on in the spiritual realm uh, that we don't see. And specifically when it comes to warfare, there is good and there is evil. There, there is uh, a power of darkness On the earth today. And to deny that is to be naive. There is a power of darkness. But there is also a power of light. And that power is greater. That power is victorious. And that is the power that we as believers plug into or should be plugging into. So tonight, as we continue our series, I want us to just be thinking about this, um, this reality that even though we don't see it, it is reality that there is a spiritual realm and there is, uh, there are angels and there are uh, demons and there are, uh, the enemy wants to wreck our lives for eternity. He wants to do that. That is His goal. That's why we are in warfare. Because there is a battle. There is a battle for the souls of man. There is a battle for the souls of humanity, for eternity. That's what spiritual warfare ultimately is all about, is this, this great battle for our souls. And so as we turn to Ephesians chapter 6, we are going to start in verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your amazing Word that is true, that is sure, that is, that is our strength, and Lord, as we, as we study Your Word tonight, I pray that You would speak to us. Lord, I pray that You would open our, our hearts to receive, open our ears to hear, open our minds to, to receive the knowledge of the truth of Your Word. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. So here, here the Apostle Paul is we're talking about spiritual warfare. He's giving us some, some tangible uh, relations, right? How, how, can we tan- how can Paul tangibly convey this message of this spiritual battle? Well, he uses armor. And in that day, the prevailing governments had a very uh, dominating military force. The, the Roman uh, centurions and the Roman soldiers uh, were on the minds of, of the church at this time. There's no doubt about it. And certainly uh, as Paul is delivering this letter to the, the church in, in Ephesus when he starts to mention armor uh, these thoughts of soldiers and, and military and uh, the army the foot soldiers would come to mind. Right? Right? And when we think of armor, we've seen the pictures on, on the internet or as I was a kid when we would talk about the armor of God, our Sunday school teachers would have uh, coloring pages or, or we used to have these these stand-up uh, felt, um, I don't know, they, there's a word for it, you probably, yes, sure, and anyway, you would, you would each kid would come and put piece of the armor on on this guy right on this board here and it was a visual representation of what of spiritual warfare of the armor of God right the armor that God gives us to put on to fight against the evil in our day and so the body armor signifies warfare it's not just a cool costume okay there are some cool costumes Okay, But this is not what that is. This, this is to, to help the Christian, to help the believer that when we see evil in our day, when we see things that don't line up with the Word of God in our day, that we can know that, that there's something at the root of that that is spiritual. When our world implements laws that are contrary... When our nation implements laws that are contrary to the Word of God, that is a spiritual... Uh, that's, that's something spiritual happening at the root of that. It is not just neutral. It is not just secular. No, it is either, it is either holy or it is wicked. There's no, there's no in-between. And so we as Christians, as, as we get into this text tonight and, and examine this, we have to know that everything that we do is either under the authority of the holiness of God or it's under the authority of the wickedness of the devil that's a spiritual battle that we are in every day and so when we're thinking about warfare we, we have this question of how, how do we conduct warfare right when you think about warfare when you've seen movies or, or read books or read history about uh, battles and warfare what, what is the goal there what is the goal? Well, usually there's two sides. Sometimes, you know, if a war is really complicated, there could be multiple enemies, and, and it's very complex. But for a given side, the goal is to advance ground and to occupy that ground, right? You advance, and then you occupy. You, you stake your authority. You stake your claim on that area. And that, that is When you succeed, that is how you succeed in warfare. And this goal is impossible without having proper protection from the enemy. It is impossible to go on the offense without good and solid defense. No matter how good your intentions are, No matter how right you think you you are in taking ground, if you do not prepare, if you are not defended well, if you have not set up your defenses well, you will not advance. And in fact, you will die. You will lose. You will be defeated by, by the other side, by the enemy. And so you have to protect yourself against the enemy. We have an enemy today. We have an enemy. Can I get an amen? amen? Not for the enemy, but for the fact that we have an enemy. We have an enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He prowls around. How many of you have ever seen a lion prowling? Obviously not face-to-face, because you wouldn't be here to say you saw one. Okay, you'd, be, you'd be toast. You'd be gone. But I've seen it online, you know, the, the lions behind the glass, or you've seen, you've seen safaris, you've, you've seen uh, documentaries, or Planet Earth, anybody seen Planet Earth, where the lion, you know, they... they When they they want to attack something, what do they do? They they sneak up. But at the moment, at the moment when they know it's time to attack, they reveal themselves in all their power and all their dominance, and they go and they attack until the enemy or the target or the prey is defeated, has submitted. No matter how big the animal is, once the lion gets its claws in there, once it gets, sinks its teeth into its prey, at some point, that prey submits. It gives up. This, this is a picture of the devil. This is a picture of the enemy. Prowling is very subtle. The enemy likes to mask himself, likes to disguise himself. Likes to uh, put forth himself as something good, something, uh, something desirable, right? The devil is is our adversary, and we have to know that. We have to know that he is our adversary, and he's not just he's not just prancing around like a kitty cat. No, he's prowling around like a lion. He wants to steal your soul. He wants to steal your children's souls. He wants to destroy your your legacy. He wants to destroy your grandchildren. That's what He desires. That's what He desires. We as Christians, we we have to know this day in and day out. We're not just here just living in the greatest country in the world just because. God has placed each one of us here for a reason. And when we are part of the Kingdom of God, how much more of a reason do we have to proclaim the rule and reign of Christ here on this earth everywhere that we go? To, to light up our world, to, uh, to um, squelch the darkness everywhere that we go. That's, that's what we're called to do. Amen. Amen. So, we are to fight. We are to fight as well. Satan is our enemy. He's here to fight. We need to be ready to fight, right? We need to be ready. So let's go back and look at our theme verse uh, for this series, which is in Second uh, Corinthians chapter ten. I want I want to uh, reread this tonight. Second Corinthians chapter ten, starting in verse three. <clears throat> it says, "For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh." For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Taking every thought captive to obey Christ. So, as we have already been thinking about and, and, and talking about this is not a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle. And because of that, the weapons we use are not physical. We use spiritual weapons to fight a spiritual foe. And the weapons we have, my Bible says they have not only power, but divine power. Power from the ultimate source of all victory. Christ, divine, the creator of the universe. That's the power that the weapons He gives us contain. And that power is able to not only, not only compromise the um, the, the strength of a stronghold, but it's, but it's able to destroy strongholds. It's able to destroy strongholds in people's lives. And it says here that with, this, with these weapons of our warfare, we can destroy arguments. Every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. How I many can attest to the fact that there's a lot of lofty opinions floating around out today that are contrary to the knowledge of God that are contrary to what my Bible says about creation, about uh, holiness, about the family, about marriage, right? All of these things that it seems like not only is, is our nation just a, just a little bit off, no, it's, it's in flat out rebellion against the knowledge of what the Word of God says. Yet these are the things that my Scripture and yours does too. It says that we can destroy these things. We can destroy these things with the power, with the the divine power that comes from the weapons of our warfare. We we possess that power through Christ. We possess it. And so tonight as as we focus on, on our spiritual armor, right? When we talk about weapons... Tonight, I'm not necessarily going to get to the main weapon. That'll be in a few weeks, which is the Word of God. A little spoiler alert there for you. Tonight, we're focusing on our spiritual armor. We're we're focusing on a specific piece of that armor. And so if we go back back to Ephesians chapter 6, or forward to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, It says, and having done all to stand firm, verse 14, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Doesn't that sound sound cool? Sound good, right? I'm going to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now growing up, there were times in my life where I would put on the armor of God every day. I'd pray it, right? I'd, I'd, I'd touch my feet, put on the shoes. I'd touch my head, put on the helmet. I'd grab a Bible and, you know, walk around with the sword of the Spirit. I, I would touch my, my breast, you know, for the, for the breastplate of righteousness. And I think that's good to do. I think that's good to do. Absolutely, to orient our minds and our hearts towards the the, the fact that this is a spiritual battle, and and to to orient ourselves uh, in in our reliance on the Lord and His help to to and and His uh, uh, support to help us in our daily life. But tonight, I believe I believe we need to go beyond that. I believe that what Paul is trying to convey to the church goes beyond just praying a prayer that God would somehow just put His breastplate of righteousness on you. What does this verse even mean by by righteousness? Right? Paul is using the word breastplate as a a symbolic, uh, something that we can... We can just see uh, in the natural with our our mind, yet, yet even though it's a spiritual thing. Breastplate of righteousness. Well, what is righteousness? How do you define it? What is righteousness? Romans 3 chapter 10 says, None is righteous, no, not one. So whatever this is, it can't be our righteousness. It, it can't be something that that we can bring to the table. It can't be anything that, that it, Paul says to put it on. Well, we can't just bring something of ours and say, okay, I'll add some of this, I'll add some of my good deeds in 2005 and some of my righteousness in you know 1965 or whatever what is righteousness when when we talk about righteousness if paul is wanting us to put this on if god is wanting us to put this on how do we know we're putting it on how do we know what righteousness is when we think of righteousness what do we think of well i think of things that that are good things that are just things that are holy, things, things that have high morality, or if, or if there's a person that displays high morals, right? you would say, wow, that's a, that, that man is living righteously, or that woman is living righteously. That's what I think of. But what causes us to think that way? Where, where does that frame of mind come from? When we, when we define righteousness, usually we have to point to Something, right? We have to point to these other attributes of of morality and and of goodness and of holiness. Is there a higher power by which righteousness must be defined? Yes, there is. That's how we know how to define righteousness. We can only truly define righteousness by looking to Christ because He is the only one who is righteous. Righteous. He is the only One. Our God, our Savior, is the only One who is righteous. And therefore, to define righteousness, we have to look to Christ. So again, going back to that question, what is righteousness? Righteousness is the character of God. And it's the character of God on display through His rule and reign. Through His kingdom. Through His law. Through His word. Through His promises. Through His commandments. This reveals to us the character of God. In His righteousness. That's how we define it. So the breastplate of righteousness, therefore, is putting on the breastplate of that is full of the character and, and the will and the uh, desires of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's putting that on. Ephesians 6.14, we just read it. It says to put on. This, this represents an action on our part. right? Paul is saying put, to put something on. It doesn't say someone's going to put this on you. It doesn't say this will fall on you. No, he's, he's telling the believer to put it on. To put it on. So we have to do something here. And if righteousness is the character and kingdom of God, then we put on the breastplate of righteousness by pursuing God's character and His ways. That's how we put it on. We put it on by pursuing the character of God and the ways of God. This is is setting up a defense in our heart, in our minds. When we pursue God's righteousness, when we pursue God's character, when we pursue what God values, we're setting up defenses against the enemy. We're, we're, We're protecting. What does a breastplate mainly protect? Physically, right? Our heart. Our heart. This is what the breastplate of righteousness is. Let's look at Matthew 6.33. For the sake of time, I'll just read it. It says, this is Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Jesus says that the number one priority for you and for me and for everyone who professes Christ, for everyone who desires to put on that breastplate of righteousness, the number one priority is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. They go together. It doesn't say, or my righteousness. It doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say you get to choose one because they're totally different things. No, he says it's this and it's this. The kingdom of God and the righteousness of God go together. We are to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. This this is to be our number one priority. And what have we been learning about the kingdom of God? About Christ being king. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Christ. Think of any kingdom. How do they they rule? How is the kingdom kingdom established? Through their authority. Through their law. right Through through their rule and their reign. You know you're a part of a kingdom if you know who that king is. If you know that He has authority. Jesus says this is our number one priority. And I would ask this question for the majority of Christians today is this even one of the priorities? Now I know Pastor Matt jokes a lot about the Sunday night crowd, right? We, we are above the, the standard, right? Our standards are, are so high because we're coming to church on Sunday night. Come on now. So, I, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here, right? (laughs) But I I would, with with all sincerity, I believe that a majority of Christians today do not have this on their priority list. They do not have the the drive to seek after what pleases the Lord, what, What how to obey the lord how how to how to live as a member of his kingdom how to pursue his righteousness they're not seeking that first and i would dare say that it's not even on the list do we live with a goal to see that christ is proclaimed king in our lives is that on our radar I have a lot of to-do lists. I'll just tell you, I have a lot of to-do lists. I have to-do lists for the to-do list. I have to-do lists with stuff from 2020 that's, that's still staring at me that I haven't done yet. Obviously, it's not that important because, you know, that's, that's three years ago. But it's still there. I mean, you make lists. And sometimes it gets so cluttered, you just start with a new one that says urgent or now or the new urgent, Right? Urgent as of now. Now this is more urgent, right? It's just crazy. Maybe you're not like me. It's it's out of control. But we, we have lists. We make lists of things that are important in our lives. Whether we write them down, whether it's on our phone, or whether it's in our mind or in our heart, there are things that we do in our lives that reflect our priorities. Is this one of them? Is this one of them to... To see the kingdom of God advance in our hearts and in our lives and in our world. For a lot of Christians, as I said, it's, it's, if it's on the list, it's way down on the list. So the question then becomes, who are we living for? Who are we living for? Are we living for the Lord or are we living for ourselves? If we want to wear that, bless, that breastplate of righteousness, we have to be living For the king. If if we want to be in the army of God, we have to know what our king is saying. We have to know where he's sending us. We have to know how to engage in warfare for him against the enemy. And Jesus says that his ruling and his reigning should be number one in our lives. To seek his kingdom first. His will, His law. What brings glory to Him? That everything we do in our lives should be in submission to Christ as King. And this is a daily thing. This is something we do daily. When you wake up in the morning, Lord, I submit my life to You today. For the sake of time... We won't turn there, but in Psalm chapter 63, we get this um, we, we get a psalm of, of David and it just it shows us the heart he has towards the Lord and towards the greatness of God. And this is when David is in the wilderness and he's he's crying out to the Lord, he's proclaiming his goodness, he's proclaiming his mighty deeds. In this way I want to be like David. I want to be a man that celebrates the goodness of God every day. That that my kids know that that their dad reveres the King of kings and the Lord of lords above all else. Above all things. The ways of God. the, The plan of God. The commandments of God. The righteousness of God. We get another... Picture of this in 1 Chronicles chapter 16. So I would encourage you on your own time, read Psalm 63 1 through 8. And then 1 Chronicles 16 is another song of David. But our main priority is is to seek first the kingdom of God, that all of our life is under the lordship of Christ. That's what it means. Matthew six, a few verses earlier, Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. How many of you know the Lord's Prayer by heart? Isn't it just a wonderful prayer? We we pray it almost every day with with our kids, and one of the one of the cutest things, and I cherish this so much, is um, our our little Hazel. She's four right now, and uh, it's it's it's. It's beautiful to, when all my kids say it, pray it, but when, when you have a four-year-old praying it and she, and she miss, says, says a few words, one, one of the things, I'll just share it with you because it's so hilarious, she says, uh, give us this day our daily breath, our daily breath, and half the time, most of the time we're saying this prayer, none of my kids have brushed their teeth yet, so it's, it's very funny because we're, we're actually thinking, you know what, Lord, let's, you know, you can keep that one, you know. But, but it's just little things like that. I mean, it just brings a smile to my face. But Jesus gives us a model of how to pray. He gives his followers a model of how to pray. In verse 9 of chapter 6, he says, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice Jesus begins this prayer by honoring the the holiness of God, by extolling the greatness and holiness of God. That that the first thing when, when we pray, our hearts should... We as believers, not just when we pray, but our hearts should have a desire to see the holiness of God proclaimed in all the world. Proclaimed in all of San Antonio. That the holiness of God would be on display. But but the first petition that we are given is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So again, here we see that Jesus, He says, not only are you to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, the first thing you should pray is for His kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And that happens when we pursue Him. The only way His kingdom can advance here on earth is if His soldiers, is if the occupants of the kingdom are advancing, are taking ground. That's the only way. So, how is the church doing with this today? How is the church doing? I, I have totally mismanaged my time on this. I'm just, I'm just telling you. Uh, <clears throat> so we'll see what happens here. Um, how is the church doing with this today? Well, Sadly, I think the church has not done the best job. Okay, I'll just say that. I'll just say that. And why do I say that? Well, I see a lot of Christians today not living with this mentality. The mentality of putting the Lord first, of of seeking Him first. Seeking what the King desires first. Seeking the Lordship of Christ over Our own lives first, the righteousness of God. I see churches that are not operating this way. I see many churches that are not operating this way. They're doing their own thing. And this is not our church. This church, it's not ours. It's not the pastors, it's not the elders, it's Christ's church. Jesus is building his church. The King of Kings is building his kingdom. And he wants us to be on board with that, not to deviate and do our own thing. When we do that, guess what? We're outside of the the kingdom walls. We're taking ourselves outside of the kingdom, outside of the rule and reign of Christ. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there as a church. I don't want to be there individually. And I see this in churches today. And some of the ways I see it is there's just a lack of unity among the church of God today. There's a lack of unity. There's a lack of unity on very basic doctrinal truths of the word of God. If we can't unite on that, some of us are are aligned with God's Word and some of us aren't. Some of us are aligned with the Kingdom of God and some of us aren't. When churches are not aligned with core doctrinal truths, or when churches are not aligned with the inerrancy of Scripture, right That, that this is the living, breathing Word of God, and it is our main authority. It is our top authority. When churches can't agree on that, there, there's, there's a problem there. When churches can't agree on what sin is, there's a problem. The church of, of Christ is to reflect the King. We are to reflect Christ. And if, if one church over here is saying that, I don't, know, I don't know which sin to use. They're, they're, if, if one church over here is saying that abortion is, is a human right, and one church is saying abortion is murder, someone's got it right and someone's got it wrong. They can't both be right. In fact, one of those truths comes from the Word of God, and one comes from Satan. I think we all know which one is true, right? The Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. The law of God. The righteousness of God. This is how God shows His righteousness through His law. It's righteous to not kill people. And so when churches are not holding to the inerrancy of Scripture, churches cannot be aligned on what sin is. Churches cannot define sin. And what this shows me is that the church at large is not operating under this statement that Christ is King. Jesus tells us to pray for His kingdom to come. And I believe that when we pray this, it orients our hearts and our minds to focus on it. To have a desire for it. How many of you... When you pray to the Lord, you mean what you say. When you pray for X, Y, Z, fill in the blank, you're you're praying for something where you want the Lord to intervene. You're praying for something that's important to you. You're praying for something that's been weighing on your mind or, or weighing on your heart. Or maybe you're praying for someone else. You're praying for a need for someone else. They've brought you a need that's been weighing on their heart, on their mind. This is why I believe Jesus told us to pray for this because it orients our mind and our heart towards it. It it places a focus on seeking the Lord first and His righteousness first. So putting on the breastplate of righteousness means seeking the kingdom of God first. Seeking how to bring every part of your life into submission of the rule and reign of our King. Of the kingdom of God. So if Christ is king, how does Christ rule? He rules through his word. He rules by what he says. Everything our Lord says is is true, is unchanging. We we serve a God who does not change. That means what he said 2,000 years ago, will not change with the culture. Will not change with what our society just morphs into. If our God did change, the world could have a case for that. But our God is unchanging. That means that His Word is unchanging. That means that it doesn't matter how old the pages are in your Bible or how old the the manuscripts of the Bible are. The, the, The words of God... Remember, God is outside of time. God is eternal. Our finite minds can place, can pinpoint times in history based on where we've seen humanity in the picture. But God is eternal. That means that just because we see this as an ancient book in God's mind, time time is eternal. There is no old law. There There is no, well, God used to think this, but now he's thinking this, right? There is none of that. God is eternal. God's word never changes. And so we, we can trust in the law of God. We can trust in the word of God. Now, we don't obey the law of God. We don't obey the word of God. We don't pursue Christ and his righteousness for our salvation. Right? We're, we're saved by our faith in Jesus Christ alone through the grace of God alone. There's nothing we can do in our own righteousness to inherit the kingdom of God. In fact, the word of God says our righteousness is as filthy rags. In other words, your righteousness stinks. Okay, it stinks. The best you is filthy. The best me is filthy. We need the righteousness of God and thank God we have it. When Jesus died on the cross, our sin was put on His shoulders. He took our sin upon Himself. The One who knew no sin became sin for us. And through that, when we put our faith in Him, His righteousness is placed onto us. Thank God it is not our righteousness That when the Apostle Paul says, take up the breastplate of righteousness, that it's not something that we have to conjure up on our own. Because guess what? That breastplate, that wouldn't wouldn't stand any of the enemy's fiery darts. Go right through it like butter. Like a hot knife through butter. But when we put on the breastplate of God's righteousness... That's where we have protection from the darts of the enemy. That's where we begin to place defenses up in our lives and in our family and in our sphere of influence and in our community where we can start to take some ground for the kingdom. How does this passage in in Ephesians 6, what what is the Apostle Paul saying over and over again? He's saying... To stand, right? To be able to withstand. To be able to take a stand. Stand therefore, right? Stand firm. The only way to take ground for the Lord here on this earth, we have to be standing. The only way to be standing is if we're able to withstand the attacks of the enemy, the lies of the enemy. There are a lot of lies that the enemy is throwing out there today, we have the power to stand against that. As we see in Second Corinthians, it says we have the power over every lofty evil thought that, that we have the power over that, the divine power over that. So we obey Christ as a way to put on His righteousness. When we pursue the kingdom of God and His righteousness, we are putting on the breastplate. We are setting up safeguards in our our hearts and in our minds. We We are orienting our heart to advance the kingdom of God. If you have children, when you pursue the righteousness of Christ, when you seek first the kingdom of God, you're, you're, you're in, in, a, in a way, you are protecting your family. You are setting up safeguards for your family. You are setting the spiritual climate for your household. If you're married today, husbands, you set the spiritual climate of your home. Don't wait for your wife to do it. I'm getting way off track here. This is another great sermon that we're not going to go into tonight. But we, we have the power. We have divine power. Our, our, the weapons of our warfare are powerful because they're from the Lord. We have divine power. We need to be using the weapons God has given us. We need to be seeking His righteousness. Psalms one nineteen one o five. 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When we think of seeking the Lord first and His righteousness, we have to be in the Word of God. We have to be studying the Word of God. We have to be looking at what God's Word has to say. What is the law of God? What pleases the Lord? How can I be on the right track? How can I know that I am a member of the kingdom of God? It's by knowing what He has said, what He has revealed, what He has spoken to us. This last part is, is good. I need to get into this really quick. Okay, just, just one final thought here. When we're talking about obeying the law of God, There's this word that floats around in our world today. When we talk about advancing the kingdom of God, when we talk about the law of God, the rule and reign of Christ, obeying the commandments, right? In the Great Commission, it's not just go and make disciples, it's not just baptize, it's not just I'll be with you. It's teach them to obey, right? Teach them to obey. There's this word that floats around where people like to say, you're being legalistic. You're you're just being a legalist. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace. And we're just called to love people. We're just called to show love and kindness. Any of you have ever heard something a little along those lines? Maybe maybe a little more with a little more... um, Anger behind, behind uh, whoever saying it. But, but, but that idea, where does that come from? I don't see that in Scripture. Yes, we are called to love God. We are called to love our neighbor. But how does Jesus frame this? I want to look quickly, 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 quickly to Matthew chapter uh, 5. Go to Matthew chapter 5 and then over to Matthew chapter 22. Just just quickly, you don't have to turn there, I'm just going to read it. Uh, Matthew 5, 17. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So, Jesus What we need to understand here is Jesus is saying that, yes, he fulfills the law. Amen. I see that in Christ. But he doesn't abolish the law. In fact, through Christ, we can obey his law. If it wasn't for Christ, we fall short. Right? Without the promise of a Messiah, of a Savior... There's no hope for humanity. What would happen at the end if Jesus never came to save the world? What would God do to all of us? He would judge us in our sin. In fact, He's going to do that at some point in history. He is king over the whole earth. And at some point in history, He is going to come to judge the world. And it's Christ's righteousness that saves us. But those who don't want to put their faith in Christ, the wrath of God waits at the door. What this means is that the law of God is important. The law of God, it, 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 it helps us to see whether, whether we truly love Christ or not. Do we have a desire to obey Him? He use this analogy all the time with my kids. Son, you just disobeyed. If you loved your dad, you would obey your dad. Right, son? That's right. Do you love your dad? Yes. Okay, here's a spanking, right? <laughs> anyway, a sign of love is obedience. A sign of the love for our Savior is obedience. And what Jesus is saying here is he did not come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill the law. Okay, what else did he say? One more thing, and this applies to that thought I was saying earlier about loving others. Matthew 22, uh, just really quick, Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Amen. What's Jesus quoting here? He's quoting the law. He's quoting the Old Testament all way, way back when, when God said this. It just shows God never changes. It doesn't matter how long ago God said something. When God says it, it's true. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus here, He says that this is the the greatest commandment, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is Deuteronomy 6, chapter 5. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. This one's from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I think what our... What some Christians get wrong today is they think that they think that, that the law is fulfilled just by loving your neighbor or just by saying you love God. They, they think that that fulfills the law. When in fact what Jesus is saying is he's saying the only way that you have a chance of keeping the law is if you first have a heart towards God. If you first have a heart towards your neighbor. If you don't love God, you can't keep His law. If you don't love your neighbor, you can't keep His law. This is what God is saying. He's saying that our love for the Lord is what allows us, is what gives us the desire to pursue Him. To pursue His righteousness. To pursue His character. To put on the breastplate of righteousness. We have to first have faith in Jesus Christ. And through that faith, Daily, we, we are building this desire to draw closer to the Lord, to seek His kingdom, to seek His righteousness. This is what it means to love God. To love God. Every Christian is called to build the kingdom of God right where they are. This starts with you and me. Putting on the breastplate of righteousness is a personal thing. Each one of us has to put on the armor of God. Each one of us, as the Apostle Paul is showing us, we we each put this armor on. We each have some work to do. We have to put put it on ourselves. It's not put on for us. And so if we're going to put on the breastplate of righteousness, we have to seek the kingdom of God first. We have to be praying for the kingdom of God to rule and reign in our lives.